I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acker. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. Welcome along to the best of 2019. This is the best GEA of 2019 brought to you by the GAR, right? So it's not the best GAR. We're not going to champion our own show like the Sunday game because I gave out about the Sunday <laughs> game too much. So this is the best of the GEA in 2019 brought, brought to you by back. us. When you started there, I thought you were going to start saying, this is the best GAA show bar none. I, like, Where is I don't go down that road. I don't go down that road. What are your highlights of the year, lads? Because, like, I mean, when you look back on the championships, always... When you have a brilliant All-Ireland final, you, you look back on it. But then we were doing the Woolly Awards on Monday and there was a good few in the, in the mix for Game of the Year. You know, we had Armagh versus Down. We had Armagh versus Cavan. We had Donegal Kerry. We had the All-Ireland finals. We had Armagh versus Mayo. We had Donegal Mayo up in Castlebar. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a, a lot of good games. You know, I think it was an, a really good football championship. We saw the game, the game progress a little bit back, a little bit more towards kicking and offensive football. Uh, we are making progress on our championship structures. What, what happens next year will tell a lot about that. I think it's been a massively positive year in a lot of aspects obviously a lot of stuff around governance of county boards which we've been talking about a good bit on the show before this has come to light this year you know even though it was well predictable I think in general though we've had a we've had a pretty good year the hurling hurling Leinster championship was outstanding two unbelievable All-Ireland semi-finals Munster championship a disappointment hurling probably not the year it had the year before I think football had a pretty strong year 
Yeah, well, Hurling had an unbelievable year in 2018, so yeah, it was football's that. turn. I think uh, you chatted about it there um, when you were talking about the Woolly Awards, said that they, you, did, you couldn't really find out the Farnfield controversy, which is a good thing because all the talk was yeah. about lo- what was, what was no good about football. No Newbridge or nowhere. That's none exactly of that. it. I uh, missed that little bit of controversy. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't really, <laughs> to be honest. P- personal highlights for me, um, I've like Mayo win the league, Mayo win a trophy and go yeah. back for the first time. Uh, I think I In said a brilliant it, league final. Yeah, and I think I said it on the show at the time, it meant actually way more to to myself and to, to Mayo people than we actually realised beforehand it was only when we had won it and we, when, when we saw what it meant to the players kind of how, do, how it dawned on us how, how what big of an achievement it was and then just uh, the other one was being at that Mayo Donegal game that you mentioned it was, uh, it was, it was the best of what the Super 8s can be it was a high octane championship gap high octane championship game all on the line in a provincial venue that was absolutely packed and the atmosphere was fantastic so Super 8s had, maybe there has been issues with it but that in its best light is what it can yeah, be. It was, it was, it was good because it was a knockout game, though, so it's not really a good. Uh, well, an all Ireland, it was an All Ireland <laughs> quarter final. Joe McDonough Cup outstanding this year has to be said as well. And Leash in in hurling had a brilliant year. Football pretty decent year as well. We beat Derry away, which is always nice. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll get into the best of interviews. These are the best of the people we spoke to this year. We're not going to bring other than Cheddar. We're not going to bring any best of from ourselves or from our regular pundits because we're not like that. So it's more like the stars of the show and the best kind of stuff maybe that they have said on our show. So we're going to start off with uh, Bernard Brogan. So this was an exclusive for us. Well, he was on the Late Late Show as well, but that doesn't count as a GA show. It's an exclusive for a GA show and he, after he announced his retirement. He was a lot more relaxed than usual and he was very honest about how he forced his way into the 26-man panel for the all Ireland final replay. And the, the, in between the, the, the final and the replay, I kind of took, I was kind of saying, what am I doing here? Actually, was a, there, was a, there was a ball in, in one of the games before where I, I didn't take a shot on it, passed to the back post to Gar, and I says, Con would have knocked that into the back of the net, like a me five years ago, that would have been back of the net. And why am I waiting right. for someone for a hand pass, trying to be the team player? And I go, that's it, I'm done. It's not, it's not after getting me into the first final, as I said, the next Saturday after the... After the final, I went out and scored um, me and O'Gara went full forward line and Dean, and we, I scored four points, O'Gara got a couple and Dean got a couple and uh, we just ran right for 15 minutes. Who was the three in the full back line? <laughs> I can't remember now. <laughs> I'm going to call the note. But I just, I did, I said, I'm doing what Con did. Every time I got yeah. the ball, I just took on the man. But how do you see, that's the, that, but that's the weird thing. You go to a trial under 16, like I used to play wing back. Um, your man might score four, but you scored three from play. You were being noticed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You have to do you things to, to get go, noticed. Yeah, being yeah. a team player, it'll only get you noticed if you've been a selfish, like that yeah. would have got you noticed under Pat Gilroy because that's what he wanted from you. But yeah, that's it didn't not work going, for me. That's yeah. not going to get yeah. you into the 26 no. by being selfless, mm. I suppose, isn't and it? That's what I thought and into their own game is going to come out and going to say to Jim and Jay and them give me the ball I'll, I'll be back to goal and I'll pop by the runners and I'll get a score in the loop or put a, I'll bring the lads into it and, I was, and that's where I was going for most of the year and that it wasn't working for me it wasn't valued as you say so yeah. just that last week and I said I wish I had done it six weeks earlier I said, that's the I'm thing. just going to go do what I always done and it's taking a man on and kicking the ball over the bar or, or creating a goal opportunity with a one-two because when you think about it I know hindsight is a great thing but if they were seeing you in a clutch game coming on to get an important point they have to see you kicking points right they're not bringing you on for that 10 yeah. minutes to throw the ball around right yeah yeah good stuff out of Bernard there and how the hell when you think about it Bernard Brogan is was only ever going to be used as an impact sub and Bernard Brogan is trying to be a team player as an impact sub. That's not what an impact sub does. An impact sub comes on and does something 
probably special, like he's perfectly capable of. So in hindsight, he he came he came at his last year all wrong. Yeah. Do you agree? Because when you're a manager on the sideline and you're looking behind you to see what options you have, you want somebody who's going to come on and change the game. Yeah. Not somebody who's going to come on and just be there. Yeah, be there <laughs> and lay a ball off. Like Bernard Brogan can kick points from all angles. If you need him with five, ten minutes to go, you need to see him kicking scores from all angles in training, not laying yeah. the ball off and being yeah. a team player. Do you get me? Like, I mean, if you're looking for a start in a certain role, like I joked with uh, Bernard that, like, I mean, he should have rang me before and you would have, <laughs> would have told him. Seriously though, like, don't. You you need a certain role this year. What's that role going to be? Analyse that. Get that clear in your head. Now go do what you need to do to get that 10 minutes yeah. every day. It's interesting that he would fall into that mentality because did anybody ever tell him that you're too greedy? Like, well, after all, he's done for Dublin. Like, nobody yeah. would have said well, before that. Pat Gilroy, he would have been too greedy, yeah. Yeah, well, like, you know, but it's, it's interesting. Like, if you think of the Kieran Kilkenny one that we talked about on Monday when he was sort of being the team player, obviously yeah. in class as well, but not going and winning the game for them. Just, I wonder, it's a strength and a weakness of Jim Gavin that players seem to sort of think, I just need to do everything for the team here. Yeah, true. Other than Connolly and to a lesser extent Paul Mannion might go for a score you know what I mean a, a, a score from a, a pretty hard angle Yeah. the rest of them seem to just tap over scores that any of the three of us could tap over don't mean that in any kind of <laughs> <laughs> maybe me not no offence <laughs> alright boys we're going to continue on here because governance of county boards is a hot topic at the moment um, it's something definitely we've spoken about on the show for a long a long long while uh, we had Director General Tom Ryan he was in on the show in February and I uh, put it to him that they need to restructure the county boards. The game has moved into a professional era, yeah. right? So county boards now are like mini football clubs in their own right. They're little businesses. They, they have to worry about their brands, their marketing, yeah. fundraising. They're businesses. Yeah. They've got amateurs running them. People with no business background would just get voted in through politics, GEA politics, right? So Dublin's uh, structure, mm. they have that same politics. They have a chairman voted in, but he doesn't run the business side they have a CEO to do that. No other county can afford that CEO. My theory, my, I'm just wondering what your thoughts on this are. That if, if uh, the GEA put a CEO in every 32 county and used the structure Dublin have with business background that has a proven record of running businesses, because that's what county boards are now. We're not in the dark ages of this being just land there and it all looks, see what we did last year and just yeah. continued on, which there is a culture of. It would cost, say, 100 grand a year. Would that be a going rate? I'm not sure. In and around that, it would be 3.2 million at a cost to the GA. I was reading in 2017, you had to pay there's, 15 million to actually... There's a few of them cost, already. Cost, right, but yeah. if, if you were to fund them, right, because a lot of mm. counties can't afford them. There's, if you were to fund them... There's about 20 of them already, Colin. There's 20 about, yeah. full-time CEOs running county yeah, boards? Yeah, there is, yeah. yeah. Oh, I wasn't yeah, aware of that. Yeah, there is, yeah. Um, no, when you talk about you know, like business backgrounds and so on, you know, I, I can't attest to that. But there are, yeah, there's about 20 full-time uh, whether they're designated as they're CEOs, like county or, secretaries. That, yeah, uh, well, that, that's different. Yeah. That's different because I know from I know county secretaries, yeah. and they don't have a business background yeah. at all. They were voted in by the usual politics, and they just happened to be in that job, and that's a paid job. Oh, no, well, that, well that, some that, of I them are. That's fair, some, no, but no, some, no, but no. some of them are. They weren't. They were. They definitely yeah. weren't interviewed for that job as that, as regards your business background or your your ability to run a business. I don't think that's the criteria well, that geez, was used. I, I'd, I'd be the last person too to kind of ascribe. There's more and more important aspects running a county than than running it as a business. But, I, but there is a huge business element to it now. Is the point I'm making? And yeah. I was reading in 2017 that yeah. you at the end of every 
every year you have to bail out loads of county boards that have gone over too much expenses there I think it was 15 yeah. million in 2017 15 so million in terms of five, 15 million in 2017 different payments to county boards for overruns of costs and stuff like that Am I right on that figure? You mightn't be, you know, dig that out again there. Um, I know we would pay, we'd pay about 10, 12 million to county boards every year, but it's not, it's not based well, on... All right, so here it is, sorry, just to quote, just under yeah. 15 million of the total was distributed by the GA Centre Council in 2017 to counties and clubs to underwrite their operating costs yeah. and to defray the cost of their participation in various competitions. Exactly, yeah, but it's not, it's not, it's not particularly because of something went wrong somewhere, that's... That's just what we do. Like you just, well, you just, this, you just this, pay that out. This That's is the point. There for. This is the point I'm making. Yeah. So if you spent maybe thirty. 30- 3.2 yeah. million to put yeah. in a full-time CEO with yeah. a business background and use the Dublin model, you're saving yourselves yeah. 12 million there. If yeah. they can actually balance those books, run things efficiently and, you well, know, have a marketing department and yeah. you put... Uh, There's account- a funny little thing in there, though. Like, when you talk about balancing the books and, and uh, you know, um, business people running counties and so on, only two or three counties in 2018 actually ran at a loss. Most of them broke even or better. And I won't quote names or I won't name who they are, but sure, be, have a look and see and you might be... I might be surprised. You might be surprised at one or two of them, yeah, you might be. Qu- quickly. Might be. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm not really that thrilled about the... I, I understand the sentiment and I understand, like, it, uh, the, that the, I find the a lot of break even. That's a clinical enough word to but, use. Okay, but, like, for example, you still keep your structure. Yeah. Like, your chairman and they do all the fixtures and yeah, maybe... Yeah, what, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, you're yeah, not stepping yeah, on there. Look, yeah. the Dublin model is there. Yeah. So, like, you can actually organise it better and run the loads of different departments now and it's a brand. And if you don't, like... Get well, your brand in, in space. You're not going to fundraise. You're not going to get the sponsorship in. Dublin, for example, ha- now I know they're yeah. on, a, on a, a, pr- like a different level of regards attraction for sponsors, but like they have something like 16. Like other counties are getting fellas, part-time amateurs on the road to ask the local businessman down the road. There's better ways of doing this well, is the pop- point I make if they had a yeah. full-time the fella we, running it. The way we've tried to do it... look. Uh, as I've said, about 20 counties have a full-time person. That's a secretary uh, now. It's not yeah, what no, I'm talking I know, about. I know, I know, but about four or five would have, uh, as well as that, would have a commercial manager, if you like, somebody who's specifically charged with doing the things you're talking about in terms of getting in sponsorship and looking at... And the mistake, I think, that uh, counties and ourselves maybe in the, in the past would have made and clubs would make too a little bit is the sponsorship is not just about asking somebody for something at the start of the year or at the start of three years. You've got to kind of look after those people and you've got to cultivate them and mind them and make sure that the only conversation you're having with them is not about, can I have a cheque, please? So four or five counties have gotten into that over the course of the last uh, couple of years. They are getting help from ourselves. But the way we've kind of gone on up to now is trying to provide uh, that help to people centrally from our marketing department. Because you could also argue, come the other way around, like if you have... 32 of those around the country, perhaps you're getting into, into duplication as well and perhaps you're getting into less than optimum utilisation of resources. And is like, would you be better off putting that money that you're talking about if we had that discretionary extra money, would you be better off putting that into coaching? Didn't really get the response I wanted there from Tom Ryan, if we're being honest, lads. Jesus Christ, this is, sometimes I think they're so reactive and now because of all the controversies in county boards, and there could be danger of county boards actually going so bloody bankrupt because they don't have professionals 
running them. And I was just reading today, actually, in the examiner, Pat Carney, who was reappointed as the Galloway uh, County Board Chairman. He says the GEA is unrecognisable for what it was five years ago. Club and county officers are being asked to be experts in every field, to know how to deal with every situation, situations that we are probably not trained in, haven't expertise in or haven't the time for. Isn't that incredible? Like, how much yeah. more can they say? <laughs> Tra- this ha- t- like a Tom Ryan isn't even acknowledging that this is a, a, an issue. I don't think this the interview with Tom aged particularly well. No. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I can't remember exactly. I think it was around February, February time when yeah. he was in, yeah. So we're talking at a time when there are multiple county boards, I, I'd say close to crisis at the moment. We're talking yeah. about Mayo, Galway. There's another story this week about the wrong fingers being um, being given to the Clare County Board meeting about uh, administration costs or something like that. So and lo- obviously the Cork County Board uh, misrepresented Sorry, that's their, their loss. That, that's the one. That, yeah. that was earlier on this week. So like, yeah, it, it hasn't aged particularly well because I remember like Tom Ryan during that interview he was mentioning about how they help out county boards but he, he wasn't saying that it was in suggestion that they were helping them out because they were in crisis. Well, we're, we're talking at a, at a time where there are multiple yeah. county boards in financial crisis. But so. how can the Director General brush that off that that's not a big deal when someone just presenting a show or anyone talking on a show can see that, that this is coming down the tracks? Yeah, He just doesn't seem it. Like it's, oh, and this is the accusation often with the administrators in Croke Park that they bury their head in the sand until it becomes so blatantly obvious that they have to bloody do something. It was it was painful, you know, when he said, um, there's 20, 20 CEOs in counties and you were like, really? Yeah. And I was thinking, Jesus, really? And then it ended up county secretaries yeah, yeah. and it was like, one of those moments you say out loud for fuck's sake, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Come on, man. I think Even 20 he, he, wouldn't be enough. I think he actually ins- insulted my intelligence by trying to pawn that off, yeah. like there's yeah. 20 CEOs. There's not. There's <laughs> secretary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, don't talk to me. Right, we'll move off that anyways, because if you want to listen to that um, interview from back in February, it's definitely there. Just search Tom Ryan um, and the GAR. Um, last one for part one, lads, is we did a charity show up in Errigal, Ciaran, uh back in April, and I spoke to Mickey Hart. Um, it was just after the, not long after the beat Dublin in the league. Um, have a listen to this. The running game is really exciting when you come up against a team that are a bit tactically not at it and you're able to run through them and it's <coughs> exciting and great to watch. Mm. And then when you play a team that is clued in and it can become a stalemate, you know, in those kind mm. of games where it's thrown off and boring, you must have been, it must have been your pulse going watching throw and beat Dublin playing that style of football. Uh, that night in Croke Park. Do you know what I mean? It was like, come on, I know you like the running game and the, the game's a chess, but that must have really been like, Jesus, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no doubt it was good to watch. It certainly was. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I mean, we, we've, we've been close to Dublin before. A couple of years ago, we had Dublin on the ropes and uh, we were, you know, we lost Tiernan McCann, the ridiculous so-called black card. We lost Mark Bradley. You know, we lost those men. We were in a five-point lead in that game. And in fact, we'd have won the game by a point only for Joe gives them a free for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Come here. Some people would say you're stubborn. Is he stubborn? <laughs> <laughs> Would you say you're stubborn? Um, some people say you're eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest don't know him. <laughs> Would you be stubborn to to have changed the style because people were telling you to change the style? <laughs> what do you think? 
<laughs> I'm doing the interview. Is he stubborn or not? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a negative word. I wouldn't choose that word. I'd say I'm principled. Okay. You know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Hart is a funny sort of character. Uh, when he's nice and relaxed there in front of his home club, you can get a bit of crack out of him. Like, I mean, me and him are such different people, but I think he enjoys a little bit of a little bit of crack as well. And by God, he enjoyed beating Dublin that day because the smile on his face while he was answering those questions. Yeah, he still didn't admit he was stubborn though. Yeah, that's him being stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> he's principled. <laughs> principled. Yeah. He's been in a what senior intercounty dressing room for seventeen years as well. So yeah. he's a little bit more similar to you than you might. He's dealt with a lot think. of characters up there too. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, and when you talk to Owen Mulligan, like some of the stuff they would have got up to when they were winning all Ireland's and Mickey would have, you know, he would have been very strict with them, but there would have been no question if they stepped out of line, you're gone. Yeah. That wasn't the way Mickey Hart operated. And you never really heard too much controversy coming out of Tyrone. They, it was kept kind of in-house. Yeah. Do you know with some managers, like I, th- I think in the Premier League, it's like they get older and they want to win their way to prove a point. Like, you know, it's not even that they think it's the best way. But I think with Mickey Hart, it's more he's just too afraid to open up nowadays like, and thinks this is the best to get out of Tyrone, even yeah. when he watches like Tyrone do that against Dublin and Crew Park. Yeah, I think with the advance mark next year, you want to watch this space for the likes of Tyrone with McShane. Uh, it's unfortunate Maddie Donnelly won't be around, but you have Derek Hanavan in the mix. I think Tyrone, I know they kind of bottled it a little bit this year after the Donegal game, you know, the style of play. But have two, use both of them and have Donegal thinking, right, well, they're going to come with this good diagonal ball to McShane, but let's come to Donegal with more of a running game. Do you know, I think they were too obvious. They, yeah. they went from one extreme to being blatantly obvious the other way. Mm. And two games before Donegal, they hammered Derry and, and Antrim and with the same style of play. And Donegal were just waiting to use a cliche in the long grass for them. But I think next yeah. year they will evolve it and be a little bit more direct. I know the offensive mark is going to be different next year than it was this year. But you mentioned him, you mentioned to him about the offensive mark for Tyrone. And rather than focusing on how it might help them in attack, he was more concerned about like how, how problematic it's <laughs> going to be for the defenders. Ask <laughs> Colin about that mentality. Yeah, that, 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 no. I, I don't have as much faith in, in Mickey Hart kind of transitioning to a new style of play for, uh, for Tyrone yeah. than, that, as he did because I think he tried it a bit last year then he was spooked by Donegal and then he just went back to basics again and I think that's, 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 that's just his principal yeah. style or his stubborn style whatever you want to call it and I think he's going to be more thinking about how do I counteract the offensive mark yeah. this year in terms of defence as opposed to how can I exploit it in terms of attack uh-huh. which was the other way but that's, that's uh, just going I don't, on If they didn't have Cotton McShane I would say you have a point but I think we, he, like he, was an, he was a do you remember the catch against Galloway oh, in the yeah. league up in Oma like this lad is a machine But you know the annoying thing in here is that that was an advantage Anyway, he didn't need to win a free kick out of it. Kick the ball into Cahill McShane twenty yards out. That's that's as good of advantage or as good of encouragement as you should need. Yeah, you know. But yeah. then I don't know. Again, adult, I, st- I still think he might be thinking, "Geez, I don't want Michael Murphy and Paddy McBurney to have all that space." Like you know, and win a handy yeah. free. Okay, stop. You're depressing me now. We'll leave, we'll leave it to that. Okay, we'll take a break and we'll come back in part two. I'd never be allowed to go off and eat a heap of shite like him and go you know, a slob or whatever like I was always doing a bit I remember, all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered in the way in there I threw the ball up in there I don't know it was, it was pure luck no in fairness pure luck I put fucking bullshit as you see yourselves Alright welcome back to the best of uh 
GEA in 2019 brought to you by the GAR. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have a best of, and this is the only exception I made, the only pundit that we're using here without our most popular pundit, and that is uh, Cheddar Plunkett. Uh, far and away. So Cheddar is at his absolute best when he's talking about weaker hurling counties and what the GEA could do to help them out. So have a listen to this. I just don't see it, Woolly, and I, I'm, I'm just going to stop talking about this anymore. And if you ask me this question anymore, I'm going to refuse to answer it because I'm just sickened by yeah. the lack of interest in GAA headquarters and GAA Croke Park and Leinster Councils and all of these organisations which have the responsibility and the accountability to get these things organised and worked. And just throwing some coaches into a county is insufficient. It's not enough because the top counties are actually doing that already and more. So how are you going to close the gap? You need to sprint. I've used this um, um, example a number of times. These counties need to sprint while the other teams are jogging along to catch up in them. Yeah. And we're not anywhere near yeah, that at the moment. You need to be doubling down, giving them way extra money and coaching and expertise. And, 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 and I'd say, sorry, Willie, for cutting across you. I, I, will, I will say this clearly as well. If those counties and those county boards and those county supporters and teams and clubs and all of that are not interested in doing this, I wouldn't give them any money. I think I think the counties themselves have to show th- that, you know, their own ambitions and their own vision for hurling in that county first before I'd get in behind it. But I think if, you know, I think if, if John Horn got a group together to look, I know he has a group already together, but I'm not too sure of their terms of reference and I'm not too sure if it's refined and, and really focused on, on this part. But I think it needs to be. And I think if somebody came up with the project plan for that, overseen by serious, serious people, um, and I, I'm, I'm really talking about project managers to look at something like this with, with, uh, with the experience of delivering a sports programme like this and go around the world. And, and uh, I know I was, uh, when I was involved in Leash, I looked at a lot of things. I looked at the Welsh Rugby Union, I looked at New Zealand Rugby Union, I looked at Canadian Hockey and all those other sports. What would they do to really increase the, the numbers and the quality of their, of their teams? And when you do that, you can come back with certainly um, uh, you know, a really good template of what would work in every county each, in each of these counties. And then you can actually build a specific for each county, because each county is different. You cannot come with a, the same plan for every county. You need to target it towards the county. And it's that level of detail is needed. Um, and I think that's what Colm is referring to. If you had that and you were able to stay, stay in, at that level of competitiveness and, and learn in, in that in competitive environment, then I think Carlo Hurling would hold its own would hold its own at the very least. Is Isle looking to be as competitive? Nobody's saying here Carlo's going to win in All-Ireland in the next three or four years. Is Isle looking to say is this team can compete with, with you know the Kennys or the Dublins or whoever it is or the Wexfords and over a period of years and over that time we'll keep pushing ourselves here to try and reach the top. Yeah, no exactly and like I mean this is this is the thing, um, Cheddar. Like you're the only pundit I hear constantly banging that drum. I don't think enough of the the high profile ones because it, it, Dublin is the very obvious example. Fifteen years ago, Dublin were competing with Leash and they were competing with Antrim and they were losing a lot of the time. Leash and Antrim at that level, and look at them now. You know, and that's because of investment. That's because of a plan, and that's because there was money put in there. Like I don't personally, I don't understand how how the hurling pundits don't rage against this because we're talking about nine serious teams and you have an opportunity with the Joe McDonough Cup teams because they are traditional hurling counties as well to get them up to a 14 All-Ireland team championship. How great would that be? Two groups of seven in the summer and here, there you are. Then you have your, your lower tiers and like I said about the lower tiers, with respect, a lot of them are football counties and 
the idea that try and get hurling is very difficult in those counties but the counties that have hurling tradition it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be hard because it's there it's there in the counties like half of Leash is hurling the south you know it's not like you have to develop that that's there already No I agree with that well, I think that's one of the preconditions there would have to be a geographic base um, you know to, to be able to step up to this level um, look I I, I, I I probably don't have time on this on this show to tell you how many times I've been around the, the, the blocks and the houses on this to different uh, parts. And what was most disappointing, some key influencer in the GA that were at a very very high level um, would clearly say to me, "Look, this is not a runner. Um, Leash is not going to close this gap." Full stop. Really? And, uh, absolutely. And 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 I, I just you know even though that, Dublin did well. Now, Look, they have a population, well, I suppose. Well, if you go back, I can talk at length here about Dublin because I understand a lot. I, I made it my business to understand how they got to where they got to. Where they got to. And, and look, I'd probably throw in another comment that the whole hurling programme in Dublin was probably hijacked by football eventually. But look, that's a different issue. Um, like the original funding that went into Dublin set it up. Now, I fully agree with this. Um, Willie, I said before on the show, I work in Dublin. I see the I see hurling just growing at grassroots level in Dublin. And it's, uh, Dublin. And I'm a hurling person and I will not, would not want to see that change. I think it's simply brilliant what I see going on here. And I would not want that to change. But the template is there of how to, to do this. And it does cost money. But... Uh, um, and I, n- you know, some people will say, oh, and I, I read actually John, I've, it's a huge time for John Horn because he's come from a, um, a games development part of Dublin and um, he has, you know, he has certainly served his time um, in, in the games promotion of the GA and deserves where he is. But I see his comment this morning that his, his volunteerism in Dublin. I was and, very disappointed with that. Uh, I, look, I thought John, John was obviously talking out of the side of his mouth and that because he knows this better than anybody. Um, the, the setting up of the uh, coaching structure in the clubs in Dublin was principally driven by the 2003 hurling development plan in, in, in Dublin. Uh, there may be, the clubs may be contributing now, um, but that originally, I, I, I don't know, I have the figure somewhere, but it certainly was millions. And I'm talking about five or six million over a number of years early on. And then th- that was obviously pared down to a million a year or something like that. Now it's not as much now. Um, and look, th- that's something like 60 or 70 full-time coaches in clubs in Dublin, clubs and schools in Dublin, overseen by four or five games managers. I fully applaud that. I think it's brilliant and I, I think it's really needed in Dublin and I, I probably would like to see that with more focus now for hurling in Dublin to get in behind the Dublin senior hurling team at the minute to make sure that whatever uh, performance improvements they make and whatever success they have is underpinned by a really really good system of production of quality players for the future for Dublin. Why can't that very same template um, targeted towards the Carlos and the Westmeads and the Leash and Offleys of this world now be put in place for those counties with sufficient funding? Yeah. But I'd give no funding to any county if I didn't think that the, the, the development plan for that county was innovative and comprehensive enough to develop this. And just talking about coaches and that is totally insufficient. And I've heard it being spoken about Offley. Totally insufficient for Offley. You are in such a state now in, in some of these counties and the competition from other sports is such that you need to look at a complete lifestyle management of underage hurling in those counties and it is very very comprehensive and anything less than that is not enough because Kilkenny, Tipperary and all the other counties are actually doing more how the hell do you think you're going to catch up in them by just doing something a little bit less it might be more than you're doing at the minute it is not enough Yeah so if the GEA ever wanted to develop hurling 
in the Joe McDonough Cup counties because we're not going to, you know, like we said in the piece, think that it can happen with every, it's not going to happen in Derry or, you know, maybe in Derry, but it's not really a traditional hurling county or Tyrone or Cavan or all these, these counties. But the Joe McDonough Cup counties are traditional, are traditional hurling counties and they've lots of hurling in them. Why would they not employ Cheddar Plunkett as a project manager for hurling development and put a plan in place and put money into it and we'll have maybe a 15-16 team All-Ireland in hurling. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah, a couple of things I really liked. I could listen to Cheddar all day for a start. I'm not even a hurling man, but a couple of things I liked was that uh, he didn't advocate like a, a one size fits all approach, basically. So like yeah. just just because one just because one plan for works for one county, just the assumption that it's going to work for another is completely wrong. Structure might be wrong, you know. Structure might be good in one county, but the quality of coaching might be poor, vice versa. So you can't just go in with the same plan. And the other thing was um, just trying to think that the other thing was just. Um, that well, it actually kind of stood out to me that sorry, he said that no funding will be given to any county if their development plan is not isn't innovative it, not or innovative, progressive yeah. enough. So I, I think that's 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 really kind of encouraging to say as well. But just just goes back to like as you said, can you just hire Cheddar as a project as a project manager yeah. for hurting development and, and did, solve all problems? The the GEA administrator high up come and telling him that you know Leash are never going to bridge that gap. You know what I mean? It's not yeah, a terrible so attitude to say. To it's so discouraging for a traditional county where the south of Leash is hurling and the north would be football predominantly. And they're telling Leash that you can never bridge the gap. What's the point? You know what I mean? And that, that, that was a ter- I couldn't believe um, he said that. But we'll move on here, lads, because another uh, Dublin player retired this year. See, the way we get them all when they retire, lads, isn't it? <laughs> so Bernard Brogan was in. Um, Paul Flynn was in as well. When they get out of the media manager in Dublin, his grasp, it'd be interesting to see whether he's in there with Desi Farrell. Surely Desi will get rid of that lad. He was a friend of Jim Gavin's. Like, I mean, he's full of his own importance going around the place there in his shorts. Imagine a media manager out on the field in a pair of shorts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, who wants this lad around? Honestly, if, yeah. you're not, if you're not a good friend of his and an ex-army colleague of his, Desi Farrell, just, surely he's just a buddy. You're not as important as you think you are. Now, go away. It depends, you know, what way Desi Farrell wants to, to do it. Like, does he want to keep a close shop? Then obviously this media manager is the, the man to do it because yeah. he doesn't manage well, anything. Keep, listen, on the day of a match, buddy, go in and sit in the stand now. What are you doing in shorts out in the feet? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, think about it. Who's going to be interviewing him out there? Here, you kicked the wife down. You're trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this lad amazes me. Like, I've never come across a fella who's just so important in his own mind. How Jim Gavin entertained him. Anyways, let's move on. Jim's gone and hopefully that fella will be gone as well. Anyway, Paul Flynn came in and we had a good chat about how wing forward play changed during his time with Dublin. Yeah, the kickouts was always one of my strengths growing up, like, you know, my hands. And um, and then when, when we kind of started adopting that kickout style with, with, with Stephen and um, it, I was just, you know, it really it really worked. But like, you know, it, and it's, it's not as easy now to kind of to got, to get that space in half forward, you know, because people are more kind of aware of it. You know, zonal, the, yeah. The, yeah, the zonal defence kind of um, really kind of, kind of mitigates against that. But again, at the same time, at that period of time, I remember even... In 2000, 
and 11 that all in the final um, Kerry were very aware of it and I didn't get as many and now I'd, right. well, I had a hamstring injury going into it so I wasn't able to make them long runs but, but Kerry were aware of it and they, they dropped two players into the into the zone so um, they, they, they tried to kind of just to, to stop that impact because that was one where we used to build a lot of our, yeah. our, our attacking players from which we get it out to the pockets and then you know transition quickly so um, but yeah no, that, was, that, that did get you into a game and ball win, winning your own ball still is critically, critically important to any inter-county player for your own confidence you're like I don't need someone to pass me the ball I'm going to win my own ball from these kickouts. you know yeah. I, th- I think that's a great thing but there's, was, I was wondering because in the last maybe two years Cluxton maybe even three years Dublin have reverted to a much more possession based game and Cluxton's not as adventurous with his kickouts. he tap it to Johnny Cooper if it's there you know what I mean rather than maybe go for those pockets and there's obviously reasons for that because teams are dropping players into it so like I mean would you find yourself in a game having to adapt going right well that's I'm not getting my guaranteed possessions now now I have to try and mix it up a little bit and you know get on the ball in a different way yeah and it probably fed into people um, not being involved in games as much you know and having an impact on your own performance because um, that was a strength of mine and then you're trying to adapt and you know when when you're getting man like as well as that in the early doors um when in, 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 in say in eleven and twelve, I very seldom got man marked. Um, you know, you you just have a kind of a half back who would you know be attacking, or they would be there, but they wouldn't be man marking you. And then like more recently, like all all six forwards get man marked, and then they have a sweeper who will kind of cover cover into the space or whatever yeah. like that. And that was a different dynamic as well because you really have to work hard to get on the ball where it was that a bit easier, um, bit bit easier prior to that. So yeah, no, it's a, that's the, how the game evolves, and that's it'll continue to evolve going into the future as well Yeah, is it is it as enjoyable the game now where it's kind of disorganised and you're floating around you're getting a hand pass like I mean you can't really do anything with that hand pass you just have to hand pass it off whereas your natural game would be to give it inside or you know or do something you, know, you always want yeah. to do something on the ball is it difficult to kind of come to terms with the fact that I'm getting the ball here now and I'm probably just going to pass it off backwards and then just run around somewhere else yes. you know I said there recently like in 2014 was a really enjoyable year for me because we played that like what you were saying oh, you were flying it that year yeah but we, we, were, we were playing really good really expansive football where we did take take risks. We kicked the ball a lot. Um, we, yeah, of course, we made mistakes, but we always backed ourselves that we win the ball back, um, and then and go on the attack again. And we didn't tend to play with a sweeper. We went we went man to man, and that that was really enjoyable. Obviously, like you know, and obviously for myself, you're right. I would have always liked to get the ball and try kick. I I remember. You know, when Alan was playing centre forward and I was winning them kickouts, like the amount of times that I just catch it and kick it up to where I was, you know, so if and I was Alan would be breaking and across and be there. And um, you know, we had such a good relationship and then when he left, um and I might have been a little bit closer to goal, the amount of times the amount of ball I kicked to Bernard was like, you know, and I look back now on games and I'm saying, That's like, you know, <laughs> it's crazy how much we used to look for one or I used to look for him and it, it, it wasn't because I was thinking it, it was just it was that relationship there and uh, and that happens when you play with guys you know through, through the years you just know what runs they're going to make he knows you know a good forward will know that if I'm going to turn on my right foot I'm going to look to kick it I don't, I'm not a ball carrier really I'm a guy who likes to to use the boot and, yeah. um, so, so he'd be clever enough to be able to feed off that and Alan was, Alan was similar like but now the game has changed a bit where you know you might be looking up and there's 
a sweeper there in front of you so you have to be a little bit more clever about your ball usage but um, but yeah that, that's just part and parcel I believe of, and I know you know you have views on this but I think it's part and parcel of how the game is going to evolve Yeah so that's interesting how Paul Flynn would have had to change his game a little bit as Cluxton changed his kickouts because he was such a big target for Cluxton then players start standing in his way mm. he started getting double marked and Cluxton started going to Johnny Cooper the whole time so now Paul Flynn is like Jesus all my possessions that I'm almost guaranteed in a match they're gone how can I change? Do you know what I mean? And it probably did have an impact on he got the four All-Stars in a row and then that kind of change came about and maybe he wasn't as effective a player as he had been. Yeah, I think teams got more sophisticated with the kickouts, but also then Paul Flynn had won four All-Stars so then he was, as he so said, he's a he marked man, man, yeah. And then he, he also mentioned there's a sweeper there as well. So it's, uh, I don't even know how he's a wing forward you start dealing with being man mark. You've talked about his loads, how like, you just want the, the wing back. And Paul Flynn mentioned it, like you know, normally just a wing back who yeah. pisses off off the pitch. But now when you're Paul Flynn, I, like, it's a very hard thing. And I think like one of his better games was the all and final replay that he came into midfield you know, in recent years. And he was class in midfield. Maybe that's what he, his more natural position became then. As the, as more the game of a, yeah, more of a midfielder. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like, I mean, I, I don't know. It, he, he talked about it pretty well there. But um, at the same time, he has moved on into the GPA now and he missed a five in a row, which was a huge kind of thing for him mm. to... like. I suppose, did he really miss it in his head? He's got a new job, which is an exciting new job for him. And he wasn't getting in the mix. He just got injured. So, like, I don't know. In a way, maybe he enjoyed going to it without that stress that Berner Brogan had. Am I in the, you know, am I in the 26? Because I'm sure that was difficult for Berno. Um, we'll move on, lads, because I love a cocky young fella. I was <coughs> a cocky young fella at a minor, another 21 myself. So one of my favourite interviews this year was from Offaly's up-and-coming forward, Keen Johnson, who's flying it under John Mahon uh, this year, if we can, I don't want to analyse O'Byrne Cup games. Um, have a listen, this is this is very good. They're the same standards I set myself. Like, I'd be disappointed with that unless. Like, I know everyone kicks wise, but like, I practice shooting fourth chain, after chain, get a bag of balls, go to pitch on my own. Like, so when it comes to the match, it's just second nature. Like, I'm an inside forward, like, scoring's my job, so... Everybody else is donkey work, donkey donk work, get the ball into me. So when it comes in, I have to, I have to produce. Like, um, like I, I do. I'm a poacher. Like I do stay close to goals. Like if if they, if anyone sees me chasing someone out the pitch, if I go past 45, all I get is that screaming at me to go back in. Like because they know I'm no good to out around the middle. So like if if Rod seen me chasing lads in the in the Iraq line, they'd be delighted. Like so yeah, I have yeah. to stay as close as possible and. Like, I know it's, it's just working hard and all that, but, like, there's 14 other lads do that. Like, just get me the ball and I win the game for it. Yeah, well, that's a good attitude. I'm sure your teammates love uh, when you tell them to do the donkey work and get the ball into me. Yeah, uh, like, there would be... <laughs> like, they, I know if they see me letting a cornerback off the pitch, like, there'll be, there'll be a few lads running and shouting, but, like, when I when I get the ball and stick it in the net, they're, they're all right with it. <laughs> I read a good quote from you saying like you don't lack confidence and I think well that's a great thing I read I read a quote from you talking about pressure and you said I know I have the skill to trouble anyone any day I go out all the pressure is on the person marking me and you never really thought about it like that I, su- I suppose d- the pressure should be on the cornerback some corner forwards might tie themselves up in not saying I have to produce you know whereas yeah. the cornerback should be the one having to quieten down a top class forward yeah, I know. Like, I don't feel any pressure at all. I never get nervous for a game. I'm almost just excited. Like, cause, like it's all about the big day. Like, I love the big day. I love going out to showing how good I am. Like, every chance, every final, like, so many people there. Like, such a big event. Like, I love just showing off my skills. Like, um, there's no pressure at all. I don't feel it. 
The guy know when I go playing for Fermanagh, I'm probably going to have to score five or six points maybe to get just get over. Like and that's just the way it is. Like nobody's nobody's telling me that, but I know that myself. So I don't I don't feel any pressure. Like I know I'm going to get five or six chances in the game, and it's just up to me whether I take them or not, and how much work I put in. Uh, making sure my shooting is on point. So yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. You've, put, you've put in a lot of work on your right foot. You're not naturally two footed, but you're you you. I think a bit late in your development, you started working on your right. Yeah, oh lord. Like even when I was young, lad, like I known, like no one ever told me. I was, I, I came the way up. I started playing off, off the under thirteen, and nobody's ever told me to work on my right foot. Like it's not good enough really from a coach point of view. But like any time you get the ball, it's just left foot, left foot, left foot. I'm sick of it. Like. And even last year, we got bet by roll by 118 to 10. And I was like looking at Anton and Niall McMahon kicking points off both feet. And I was like, I need to get up to that level. Yeah. And um, I set a reminder on my phone and it was just the score from last year. It was just 118 to 10. And it went off at 6 o'clock every day. And I'd go out to the side of my house and just kick ball up against the wall for 15 minutes. And i just seen a dramatic improvement. Like I think I got 424 from playing championship this year. I think... Got nine points off my right foot, like so. Right. It mightn't have been the whole the whole difference, but like it's just small things like that just make a make a big difference. I had a fella tweet me from Sydney. Um, he sent me a direct message actually to the GER account. He says, I just listened to that interview from Keen Johnson. What's that lad ever done in the game? Oh, David man. Clifford is, and all this, and I was like, relax mate, he's a cocky young fellow, what's wrong with that? He's just, he's just won a county final for his own club. He played under 20, he's shooting the lights out underage, now he'll play senior next year. What's, it, it, cockiness is all relative. You don't need to have won in All-Ireland to be cocky. Like, I mean, I thought his attitude was fantastic and you don't get that anymore. And it's like, maybe a little bit over the top where, like, I'm sure his teammates know what he's like. The, the others do the donkey work to get me the ball, but they do. And I, if I'll win the game for you. What a coach. I mm. will get you the ball if you're that good. I've no problem giving you yeah, the ball. You yeah. know what I mean? That's, every team needs, that's Ronaldo. That's what we talk about on the show. He thinks the others do the donkey work for him yeah. Messi, and he's well able to carry well, it maybe up. not yeah. Messi with Javi and Iniesta but like the, well Ronaldo would think it no matter who he plays <laughs> yeah. with but I don't see a problem with that at all lads and then when he talked about setting the alarm with the with the 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 score from last year's county final going out and kicking the ball against the wall like he's cocky but he works hard so I'll take cockiness and hard work over you know yeah. something dull any day. Same Ronaldo, he worked harder than anybody. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, yeah. I don't get what this is, especially in Ireland. Like, in, we they probably hate, people hate it. GA people Jesus. hate that kind of stuff. You probably know people in your clubs as well who are class coming through, and people are reluctant to say that they're good because they don't want them to get ahead of themselves, and they'll, they'll cut them down. Like, especially if we're talking behind their back and stuff. Oh, that lad, like you know, he's not that good. It's unbelievable. Austin Gleeson, remember the goal he scored was against Cork. Yeah. One of the best goals I've ever seen in Hurling, and he got grief for it because he didn't pass it off. He did something amazing that's going to be shown in highlights reels forever. Yeah, and like, it's just the the attitude. And when he lost the final, people couldn't wait to take him down to size. I do not know what it is. Keane Johnson's a match winner. Like all these players that we're talking about are match winners. Why can't they just admit that as well? Yeah, I just can't, I can't wait to see him playing next year. I can't <clears> wait to see him playing, kick a few scores and say, there's no big deal about that. That's my job. Yeah. Like the back is the one. I, that was another great quote from a young fella. I don't feel pressure. The pressure's on the defender, yeah. not on me. Where in my head, the pressure is more on the star forward to produce. But no, when you think about it, the defender should be saying, how am I going to stop him? Yeah. Not the forward kind of being worried. Mm. Can I produce on the big day? <laughs> you know, but it's true. And I, you, I've played in the forwards. I, you would, of course, a forward's going to be a little bit concerned. Am I going to produce it? He doesn't seem to be. I thought that was incredible stuff. The, the back's the one under pressure. I'm not under pressure. Yeah. 
I, I, I practiced the score. I was hoping you were going to get, you were going to say that you got a text message when you were in Sydney and said, "Geez, I love listening to that young fella. How no, positive he is. How, how confident opposite. he is in his own ability. Do yeah. you know what I mean? When he's saying stuff like, I'll win the game for us. Love the big day. I love showing people how good I am. And like, you can't, you can't have a tactic with Keane Johnson. You can't say to a, like a, a fit cornerback, you run him up and down all day, you know, just tire him out. He's just not going to chase you. And he's adamant about that. He's like, it's, if, if so, if the manager is telling him in the dressing room now, number 15 works as hard as number two. Not for Keane Johnson. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> them wander to the 45 and that'll be it he's yeah. there to score points as he said I think he said something like I know I'm expected to score five or six points today and he's very comfortable with that pressure it's so rare and so refreshing to hear that attitude very honestly. rare very rare and very refreshing you're dead right okay brilliant stuff from uh, Keen there we'll be back in part three Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up now because there's no such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. Um, but but you didn't let Shamey talk at a, at a hurley launch one day. Yeah, but hold on a second now. He was at a hurley launch, you know. Yeah. You know, I, there's I, a media I, ban if he can't no, talk no, at that. No, absolutely not. I think you guys need to do your job. Don't depend on us guys for quotes, you know. Okay. Go but look, earn, he, earn your living like the rest of us. But if he's at a media day and he says to the media that I'm not allowed to talk, then he's obviously on a ban. Well, I think he's carrying a mixed message. All right, welcome back. So David Clifford was on the show. He's not quite as cocky as Kean Johnson, but he did give us a little bit of an insight into what he works on the most. So have a listen. I suppose I do a lot of kicking. Um, kicking for scores or just yeah, in a lot of no, a lot of kicking for scores, a lot of just ball striking. I suppose one thing I suppose if, if I'm if I, it's going to let me down is probably just not getting a, a good strike and a shot, maybe a rushing a shot or something. So just trying to, I suppose something I really worked on this year is just trying to like if you can imagine, kind of slow down in that one or two seconds and just make sure your strike. Um, I think it was, it's actually, it's funny enough, it was actually Barry John Keane who was before, for, played corner forward with Kerry for about the last yeah, no, eight or ten years. He just, just said it to me a few times that like, you know, you're trying to nearly kick the, bo- kick the paint off the ball rather than just, just I suppose, concentrating on your strike and, and then where it's, where it's going will probably look after itself, you know, so it's just about, a big thing I work on is just trying to get Consistent ball striking, I suppose. So, did you always have the left and right, or did you? Uh, have to no, work hard? I didn't. Big time, I didn't. I, I suppose I was very left footed. You'd hear the the call of watches left, probably and stuff in under really? fourteen and sixteen games and stuff. So I suppose that that probably something itself that makes you want to say, right, I'm going to prove these fellas wrong. And well, it's fairly simple. Like you, you just you need to have both legs. You won't survive. Yeah, no. you won't survive exactly. No. Like yeah. So that's important. But like I mean, you know, that's it. And Morris would Morris talk to you about kicking technique or you know or how, how would he kind of manage the coach um, yeah he would I suppose Morris is, is excellent like at uh, he, he kind of knows when, when he needs to say something to him and he needs to kind of leave you alone so yeah Morris always talks about the the black spot so it's just just going over the bars isn't, isn't good enough for Morris a lot of the time it's black spots so. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting comment from David Clifford what's going to let me down is not getting a good strike on a shot or rushing a shot and straight away what jumped to me was the All-Ireland final first game yeah. where he had two or three chances early and he snatched at them and they were on his left. Do you know what I mean? And I think maybe because of the pressure of an All-Ireland final, he rushed them or didn't get a good strike on them. And it was just like, when I saw him doing that, it, it reminded me of what he had said back earlier in the year of what he tries to work on. Obviously in the replay, um, he, they, were, they were going over an awful, lot, an awful lot easier. Yeah, and so unlike David Clifford because it seems like every time he strikes it, he hits it perfectly. And I remember... 
wondering is this because it's David Clifford that we're rating him too highly already but just thinking for God's sake he should be putting those over yeah do you know when he, but he I was kind of I was rooting for him in that first All-Ireland because I was thinking in my head Jesus the pressure he's under now he's first All-Ireland he's so young mm. so when he missed the first two I was not a Kerry supporter but I was actually really yeah, disappointed as, for yeah. him I was like jeez yeah. I hope things hope things go well for him <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of but he didn't let it get to him and like, like no. what, what I thought actually when he said that as well was um, watching him in the club championship particularly afterwards and obviously he's not playing against the same calibre defenders or you know the same quality of team whatever but he David, when David Clifford takes an extra solo it always seems to be a beneficial thing do you know what I mean like he, he might he might have a shot on 30 yards out then because of how long his stride is one extra solo he's, he's eating up the yards towards goal and he's tapping it in yeah. whereas somebody else you might say oh you've taken too much out of it just like it sounds, it sounds ridiculous to say but sometimes it feels like time goes a little slower for David Clifford he has that bit more time than everybody else and just on the Ireland, Ireland final while it didn't go from the start, he didn't let that get no. to him, which is a huge sign of his, his mentality. Yeah, but he's a battler. Future. Like, I mean, he's a warrior. He's a he's a tough bit of stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, he wouldn't, I don't think he, I don't, mentally, I think he's very strong. So a few wides wouldn't bother him. He, he kind of, he battled his way to a solid performance in that All-Ireland when it could have, like it could have all fallen apart for him mm. after a few. If Solid for his standards, good for anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say. And then in the replay, he was he was so much better. Um, Smart to deceive David Goff as well and get Johnny Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> that was so obviously a free outlet, wasn't it? Poor Johnny Cooper. All right, Alan Brogan made a few guest appearances on the show this year. The first one, uh, first appearance he made, he was explaining how he switched the corner <clears throat> forward in 2002. Um, when it could all have been so different. I went into Dublin panel in 2001 when Tommy Carr was in charge and he was only 18 at the time but he was looking at me as a wing back. Because um, you're a wing back as a minor, right? Wing back in the minors, yeah. So the following year I wasn't on the championship that the, the the championship panel that year myself and Barry Cahill went to went to New York for some but, but the following year I came in and we were out training in Abe Baroque and I was a cornerback and Mick Casey Paul Casey's brother was a cornerback as well and we were the last two left on the team so so Tommy said he went as a forward for the first half and then we swapped and I went as a forward for the second half and in the <laughs> second half I kicked I kicked four I, uh, I might have kicked one two or maybe four points and we were playing Clare the next day in Naborough and Tommy put me in corner forward I got four points that day as a, as a as a corner forward um, and ever since then thank God I never ended up back in the backs again No, and you're like, it would have been no good I wouldn't have made it as a back So Alan Brogan as a corner back lads how about that that would have been funny <laughs> wouldn't it imagine like a, an also ranch he was never as good as the father you know it's unfortunate you know but look he, he tried his best there but he just yeah, he wasn't tight enough or physical enough for, First of all like how was Alan Brogan won the last two to be picked on any team for yeah, a start yeah, true. and then how did anybody think that Alan Brogan was a corner back including Alan Brogan himself Yeah, you know, is, is Alan the oldest of the because Bernard, Bernard Senior was a midfielder, right? So Alan's like, the oldest son, yeah. So they weren't kind of, they weren't identified as going to be the top forwards from a long way out. But I just can't imagine anybody looking at Alan yeah. Brogan thinking, this guy will make a good cornerback or even a wing back. See, he played, he played wing back as a minor. So that's where he was put in that category. But he was bombing up the field and like he scored a great goal in the All-Ireland semi-final minor against Down. I think they might have lost it, but it was a brilliant individual goal. And it's like, that man's a forward here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then he's brought in on the panel and he's like the last two picked for training. Ah, look, we'll, we'll give you both a go in cornerback and yeah. corner. It's mad, isn't it? It's scary. Like, he, like yeah. that year, 2002, Dublin won the Leinster for the first time. And I think Alan deserved an all-star that year. He was outstanding right throughout the Leinster Championship. Well, how many Alan Brogan's order who never got 
they play in corner forward or play half forward just even. on a high stool just saying no that was me <laughs> they <play before. laughs> they've been told to play back the whole life imagine he played corner back that morning got clean and go ah look this isn't for me yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, take a pool or something <laughs> and then Bernard, Bernard saw that Alan didn't make it so he's like that's not going to happen for me yeah now. yeah Bernard's sort of like ah, here listen there's a local drug dealer <laughs> I'm a worse cornerback than him <laughs> alright so Patrick Horgan was on the show Cork lost the All-Ireland uh, quarterfinal this year lads and Patrick Horgan still got nominated for Player of the Year that'll tell you how absolutely unbelievably brilliant he was this year here he is like Clifford I don't know whether I'm edging towards asking these lads what to practice on in all the interviews am I becoming a one-trick pony here he, here he is explaining what he works on I actually don't practice really as much only like when I go proper training session like when I'm warm I'll get into that uh, no it's just like I do a lot of uh, like visualisation and visualising the positions I'll be in so I don't know does that work or whatever but I tick a box by doing it anyway so you, you like to make that run out under the stand and then go put it over your shoulder left left handed yeah, just back over the bar is that a, that a trademark uh, just visualise doing that is the do thing. you yeah. yeah I visualise doing that a lot um, and it's running around the 45 usually you're shooting from there isn't it yeah diagonal run out and yeah but um, and over the shoulder yeah practicing in general is just striking ball on the road but is that over the shoulder one I'm sure you have to practice because I don't know how you generate the power because there's not much back lift you know it's mm. obviously all in the wrist there yeah it's <clears throat> I just keep doing it until it's, be, it's a normal strike like right I try to practice it so much that if I'm on the front foot, it doesn't feel as comfortable as I do on, on the, the back, back foot. Yeah, because you can't be blocked on the back foot, right? Well, well, it's difficult. <laughs> it's right? hard. Yeah, <laughs> there is fellas can do it though. To be yeah, fair, so. I was in. Uh, I always say this on the show. I was at the the Munster final with yourselves in Cork, and I couldn't believe the amount of uh, a boy, hoggy boy. That's all I could hear in the stand. Like <laughs> Harnady could make a catch, or Cadigan, or whoever the lads, and it's just well done. But when yeah, you get yeah. the ball, the crowd is rising, and it's a boy, a boy, hoggy boy. Are you aware that you're I a bit of a I actually not to be fair uh, it's, the, it's the first I've heard of it really uh, yeah well maybe it was just a section I was in maybe it was I, uh, I, I hear a lot of songs with her really really they have a few songs on for the champ the boys behind the goal <laughs> we get a good laugh off them actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So lads, I don't want to analyse this too much for you two um, imbeciles when it comes to hurling, but over the shoulder is very technically very difficult to do. It's very difficult to generate the power. And as Brian Carroll said on Monday, I didn't notice, he, he actually uses a very, very heavy hurl. So, correct. Correct. Yeah. So imagine With a wider boss. To, mad, he said did he say wider boss said, as well? Yeah. So like, I mean, what, and then we had Carl Barrett on the show last week saying he just is impossible to block down because when you go off the back foot, obviously you can't tackle the man. It's very hard to reach your hurl in and, and get, get the block on. So like, I mean, he practices so much. He, he visualizes it so much that it's just normal for him. And it's like a normal, I, I thought it was crazy when he said if he's actually planting his two feet, it feels more awkward than when he's going off the back foot. Yeah. Mad stuff. And not to uh, blow smoke up your arse or the GAR's arse, but this was a, an amazing interview, probably one of my favourites. Really? Here. Yeah, it was really good. He just, now mostly because of him. <laughs> <laughs> but he came across really well. Like, he did, likeable too, yeah. didn't he? And like, like just so open as well and talking about yeah. like, what he's thinking. Just very relaxed about yeah. talking about, he reminded me a little bit, almost, you know, sometimes I feel rugby players are a lot 
more comfortable just talking about tactics and you know Rory yeah. Grugan was very good on the show mm. during the year just talk about it what's the big deal you know the, like Patrick Horgan there just going through exactly what he works on and like what, listen he's, he, you can't block him down anyway so he might as well tell you <laughs> so that's it. Like, he has to be that level like, you know, that level of talent and not care about what you're talking about like I'd be a bit more cagey about giving anything away because I have one thing maybe obviously. very strong right foot but I have no left foot <laughs> yeah <laughs> but what would I tell you like you know otherwise you'd be marked forever yeah so no that, that was really good stuff and plus he he played a little bit innocent when um, I said to him about the crowd going a bye hoggy bye I can't believe he never well, heard he's that been before very modest it has yeah. to be because the whole stand was shouting it like I mean this is he runs out to the wing right under the stand towards 45 like I was saying to him and he hasn't got the ball because his touch is just so sensational the minute he's running out and the, you can see he's coming out to collect this ball everyone in the stand stands up yeah to just know what's coming and then it's over the bar flick of the wrist have I hoggy boy it's not just it's not just Cork fans cheering him at this stage it's a national appreciation society yeah exactly okay we're going to leave you with this one lads so Ger Nan, we know Ger Nan, um he's not shy when he wants to give some criticism but he called his own county Declare hurlers gutless this year and our own cheddar well he wasn't having any of it I want to talk about Ger for a minute first of all because Ger made the point about Clare players being gutless and he was talking about his own county and his own neighbours here being gutless I'm old enough to remember the Clare team in the 70s that Ger played on they won two national leagues in 77 78 they were hammered by Limerick in the championship in 74 they were beaten by Cork in the Munster final 77 and 78 they were hammered again by Limerick two or three years later there was obviously no print media around at the time and certainly the print journalists at that, or no social media around at the time and the print journalists at that time had a, a massive amount of respect for players and that, those, that type of commentary didn't happen. And I, I, I do remember, and I stand corrected in this, Ger, um, a year or two speaking about that 70s team and, you know, he spoke really eloquently about them. Um, now he seems to have a very different view about the current Clare team who have won an All-Ireland, won a National League and, you know, are working really, really hard. I think the performance of Clare this year had nothing to do with gutlesses and, and throwing away that sort of remark was irresponsible, to be honest with you. And you certainly cannot throw it away unless you can back up yourself in your own career that it didn't happen to me. Cheddar versus Loch Nan in a no-holds-barred uh, <coughs> fight to the death. Great debate. The next How great debate. That? I was just thinking, yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just... We just ding 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 we, we've got a we've got a, a potential match for the great debate you're like Patrick Horgan so cocky just giving yeah. away all the ideas <laughs> doesn't matter we get another one that's fantastic I know Cheddar was very good there in fairness sometimes I think you know Gerlock Nan he says he says a lot of stuff I don't think he means he just wants a reaction out of it or whatever Claire Hurlers don't seem to pay any attention to him but Cheddar wasn't having wasn't having any of it anyways right that's it lads that's it for 2019 thank you very much like without blowing smoke up our arses but we've had our strongest year since we started so thanks very very much for listening both on the Hurling Show and on the Football Show we are going to be back on the 2nd of January we're going to have Ger Brennan in studio and Cheddar in studio and myself and Conan as well and we're going to preview the All-Ireland Club uh, semi-finals so we'll talk to you then thanks very much for listening you can say goodbye if you want lads alright see you later. thank you happy new year <laughs> cut that <laughs> The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Hurling Acca. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. 
but it's harder to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.